0: In this episode of The Ziggler Show that I am, again, recording while on a Florida writing getaway, so the audio quality is not what it normally is, I apologize. But we talk about how we can better respond to the things in our work we cannot control. I play a clip from Zig Ziegler where he talks about the circumstances and people in our lives that we just can't control and how we can better respond to them when they, as you'll hear him say, drop the ball. But goodness, did Tom Ziegler and I get into some interesting branches. And one was questioning whether there truly is much that isn't in our control, or at least that we can't heavily influence to stack the odds in our favor. We discussed choice and consequences and what a secure person would do. That right there just captured me, questioning ourselves in the moment and overall. And are we responding, not reacting like a secure person? Are we speaking and behaving and thinking like a secure person and I find it so convicting and just prior to writing this, sent a note to my wife and kids about it and we've been discussing it on text and I admitted to some aspects of my own self where I think I'm not behaving like a secure person, not the one I want to be. So just a moment, I'm going to queue up a one minute clip from Zig Ziglar and then Tom Ziglar and I will dig in with you to help bring clarity to a perspective that can add dramatic peace and confidence to your life. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions that matter regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. There are endless podcasts that will entertain and maybe even inform you. My goal, however, is to educate and actually equip you. This is The Ziggler Show. It's ranked number two in all-time career podcasts and Apple Podcasts, and our focus here is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. The Motive Podcast is my other podcast. It's devoted to helping you know what you authentically want by understanding why you really want it, which is made clear by knowing what you truly value. In episode 28, I bring you Ashley Stahl who worked in counterterrorism? She has a new book titled U-Turn, Y-O-U, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. But it was her personal story that intrigued me where at age 10, her dad had a panic attack and exclaimed to Ashley that money was going to kill him. And right then and there, Ashley vowed, I'm gonna make a lot of money so that life is easy and I can save my dad from dying. The story of her motive from that point on is significant. That's Motive Podcast, episode 28. My True Life podcast is aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body and mind can support your desires in life. In episode 70, we tackle cancer. Who are we to have anything new and revelatory to share about cancer? Well, we're messengers delivering a message that's coming more and more into light uh, that the media and the medical world are just ignoring, and it's that we are growing cancer, and the primary cure is to stop growing it, and we individually have the most control to increase or decrease the propensity for cancer to grow in us. Uh, It's True Life Podcast, episode 70. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com coach and connect with Tom Ziegler himself about becoming a Ziggler coach. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances
1: A lot of times in life, things happen over which we have no control. 1986, Penn State and Notre Dame were playing, and Penn State was ahead. Notre Dame had the ball. They were driving down the end of the field. Their tight end got loose in the end zone. The quarterback hit him letter perfect right in the hands. He dropped the ball. Had he caught the ball, Notre Dame would have won. He dropped the ball, Penn State won, and went on to win the national championship. Now, here's the message. You see, 10 players on the Notre Dame team had done everything they were supposed to. They had filled their assignment to perfection. One person dropped the ball. I don't care what your job is. I don't care how circumstances are with you in your home, in your school, in your job, in the factory or wherever. There are going to be a number of occasions where you're going to do everything you're supposed to and somebody else is going to drop the ball. We've got to learn to deal with the drop balls of life. And this attitude, this image we're making of ourselves really does make the difference. The question is, do we respond to life or do we react to life? And respond, as you know, is positive. React is negative.
0: Tom, I feel like most of the shows, you know, we talk about this topic and try to land on, okay, so here's our action step or or whatnot. But for this, this one, I felt like leading with that. So if everybody wants to listen to the show for five minutes and be done, Hey, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Because what it just brought me to is, is so often these topics get me thinking about myself, my own reality and the things that I can do to benefit from this. And it made me want, and I did it actually to take an audit of what are some of the highlight things in my business? I, I, I tried to keep it focused there because we can go into our life and that'd be good as well. But just for the purpose of this show, what are the things in my business in my work that I cannot control. So period. What's that? I think just that, just being aware, what a great exercise for all of us to do. So I would encourage everybody to do that just to sit down and list out the things so they don't come up and surprise you that you get them on the table and you know, you can't control them. Then of course, you know, the two ideas that came to me, Tom, were what can I do? Of course, to mitigate them, to lessen them, to, 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 to do something to where I can control, or I get that out of there but still there's going to be some things that I just can't. And so as to what your dad just said in the message we just played, what can I do to have ready my response? I mean, just think about that. Think about the average person when you ask them, how'd your work day go? And it's going to be good or bad based on the circumstantial things that they can't control that either worked in their favor or not. And that's what dictated outside of their control, whether it was a good day or bad day, how can we take those things, put them on the table And there'll never be a surprise. And we can then, to some degree, ensure, maybe not every day is good, but
2: for the most part, every day is gooder. (laughs) What do you think? I love it. Yeah. And, you know, we've heard it over and over again. Well, the only thing we can really control is ourselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like a tried and true statement that we can uh, reflect on. Uh, But then how many of us really dig into in our work environment, whatever that is, the things that we can't control. And then what we can control as our response to that. Yeah. I mean, those are the, those are the big things. And, And so, you know, I was, I just had a call just before this and they had a sales challenge and they were asking for some sales advice. And I said, well, Can you tell me what the top seven objections are? Mm. And so that's in business, especially on the sales side. What are the reasons that people say no or say not yet? Because we know statistically that there are going to be two or three common objections. You know, it costs too much or it's the wrong color or the timing's not right or whatever it is, you know, And so if you know those in advance, then what we need to do is change our word from forget about control. What can I influence? Yeah. And so when we get and then we understand that it's going to be all about influencing someone or a situation to the benefit of that person. Right. 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 And, and, and I think we get in trouble when, when we try to influence or, con, or another word is control, put pressure on a situation that's not in that person's best interest. Interesting. Uh, I want to, can we dig in
0: right there? I'm going to, and I do have some, maybe we'll get to them. Maybe we won't. I have some people who respond, but I want to dig in right there with what you said with influence. So you and I are self-employed and i I always have. And I I can't say that I conceived of this conscientiously, like I put it down, you know, totally aware, but I know now in retrospect, and I do currently that a lot of the reason I did is because I do like to have control and that is not a right or wrong. And there are plenty of people. That's not a big issue to them. They probably have uh, more easily, maybe some peace in their lives, you know, with that. But I, I do want to have control. So I admit that. But when you talk about influence, really in going through this exercise tom and listening to your dad's message and going and, and me doing my own audit i realized i i probably tend to think i have more control but when you said influence i thought that i i kind of feel like i can influence everything which to some degree is that's fair to say isn't it i mean we do have an amazing amount of influence on everything. When as, as a self-employed guy, I feel like I can. And I wonder if that's lulled me into feeling like I should have control of everything. And now when I come back and I'm doing this proactive thing, it's really given me a little bit of insight of me. I, I don't want to have as much control over as my, as many things as, as I do. And that's a great opportunity as a source of frustration for me, as opposed to coming back and maybe being a little more admitting that I don't have control over. Again, I didn't mean to come into this perspective, but it's given me that. I wonder if there are a lot of business people out there, a lot of entrepreneurs who want to have control and are maybe not as aware that there are some things that we can't, I don't even like saying that actually. I don't like admitting that.
2: I mean, we all love control, right? Because then everything re- revolves around us. <laughs> you know, we,
0: Unfortunately, I would say I, I, I'm not,
2: I'm not, <laughs> I am i do
0: not have a big problem with that, Tom. Thanks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so let me just kind of give you my career and stages. So Please. I've been to sales yep. and Oh my gosh. In my beginning, I hated nose, you know, Hey, what do you think? No. And, and, because I, I I you know, it was a great opportunity for them. It would benefit them, and then they would say no. And so the lack of control, the lack of getting the desired outcome that I was hoping for really frustrated me. And then as I matured, I realized, hey, wait a second. Not everybody is ready. And but the more people that I can interact with and give the opportunity to statistically. I'm going to win. And so then I started keeping track and I knew that every seven no's equal to yes. And so instead of letting my whole countenance, my whole attitude, my whole demeanor, my whole day being controlled by how many no's I got, everything was just a step in the right direction. So a no was a step in the right direction. A yes was a step in the right direction because I wanted to impact as many lives as I could and build a profitable career at the same time. Okay. Well, so then I got deeper and we already talked about that. And I said, well, how can I have, how can I increase the percentage of yeses? And so I started studying, well, why do people say no? And in our business, there were five or six common objections. And so as I listened to what their needs were and started to understand where they were coming from, I could anticipate which objections would likely come to the top. And I had very both legitimate, logical and emotional reasons that I could share with them that would make sense for them to say yes instead of no. And then, so my influence became greater, my closing rate became greater, the satisfied client became greater, because sometimes clients will say yes, just out of trust, and you don't actually educate and, and and nurture them enough and then they get it and they're kind of disappointed because they didn't know because you didn't take the time to explain all the benefits that come with it right right and and so by not doing your job on the front end you you can actually increase the likelihood of dissatisfaction after Right, And so not only did, did my sales go up and my close rate go up, but the number of satisfied clients went up because I really started to understand from their perspective why they were saying no. Well, then okay. I started getting really frustrated with the, not the yes answer, not the no answer, but the not yet answer. Right. <laughs> the, the, uh, the not yet or the maybe. I,
0: maybe was the always, maybe.
2: yeah. The maybe Answer, And this was especially uh, common in the larger corporate training sales. And the scenario was usually uh, somebody representing that company would call in and want a training proposal on X, Y, Z, and they would represent themselves as the decision maker. And of course, uh, you know, they are actually not the final decision maker. They're they're an influencer in that operation. And so when I learned that I was likely to get a maybe on a lot of these cases, I would put together a package that solved all of their needs and then I would ask them a question that has a lot of influence behind it. And the question was, When do you think you'll be making a decision on this? Mm. And I didn't care whether they said a week or three weeks or a month. It didn't matter to me. And I would say, great, because I've put the package together. And as long as you make your final decision by this date, which was after whatever date they gave me, uh, you'll be able to take advantage of the incentive that we've built in. And the incentive was something that was motivating that they had already expressed that they really wanted and would save them some money because they were getting a package of different things. And because I knew that maybe was, or not yet, was the most likely answer, and because I didn't have 100% clarity that they were the final decision maker, as soon as they saw that in writing and the deadline, they would all of a sudden come clean. Well, wait a second. <laughs> we're going to have our meeting internally and then I've got to turn it over to the committee and the committee will be reviewing this on these dates. And so I would say, fantastic. So besides you and that committee, who else will be making the final decision? And so out of that anticipation, anticipatory, that's a big word. I
0: was, I think you might've just written a new one. I like it. Yeah. I'll submit that to Merriam Webster.
2: It, as part of this discovery in the process and the influence I was able to gain, Hey, what is their real decision timeline? Who were the real decision makers? Right. And, and a lot of things that go on. So even though I have no control over whether they say yes or no, if I do my job right and really serve their need and understand what they're trying to accomplish and then cr- ask the right questions and create the right uh Uh, result, they are much more likely to share with me, you know, the key buyers and influencers and everybody else who's going to be in in, in part of it. Um, And so the, the, the pillow head question would be so at night, you know, as professionals with, with the desire to see great outcomes in every area of our life, the question that we ask ourselves as we fall asleep is, Did I serve them well? Right. And if we can say yes to that, then fantastic, because this is what I know. The longer they wait to take action on my proposal, the longer before they get the results of what we're going to bring to them are. And those results are going to get them closer to their purpose, their why, their dream, their goal, their objective. Okay, let's go ahead. Yeah, and so I need to have that falling asleep, complete confidence that I've done everything in my ability to influence them to not only make the right decision for their benefit, but to do it as soon as possible.
0: Well, so we're talking to the heart of sales here, which was, again, that's why I love the discussions because they take us down different roads. And let's, cause you're, you're making that assumption that this is an ethical sale. This is something that will, that you have discerned. It will truly benefit them. And they probably came to you knowing that they want this and it will benefit them. So if we have that as a, an assumption that this is something that's going to benefit this person, we are selling boats to people in an area that's going to flood and they're going to drown without it. So we, we, if we have that assumption and then, because you've got me playing with the word control, Tom. So I, I, I love words, and I looked up the quick definition. It says it's the power to influence or direct people's behavior, or the course of events. Now, power—that's a word that people struggle with. But you know, to say you have a skill, you have an ability, you have a, a wherewithal to in, to help influence or direct people's behavior. So if this is something that you know can help them, it's to help them overcome the real or perceived obstacles that are keeping them from this thing that will help them, whether it's money, time, just, I think these days we, so many people have such decision burnout that we just have to help them make a decision or their propensity, which I fall to a lot these days is just, I just don't want to make a decision and just forget it. So I'm going to do nothing. We know that that's the greatest. You know uh, the greatest option with any sales, not yes or no, but the back to you, maybe or am I might, you know, whenever, and and ultimately just doing nothing, because what you said a second ago, let me click back over here, is you talked about we're saying I, I came to the premise of the show of what do you do about the things that you cannot control, and yet you kept playing back and forth there, Tom, when you were talking, early, or especially at the beginning about control and influence, and to that degree. Now you've kind of got me thinking about, you know, what can I not have some influence and some control over? Maybe my effort here is to realize that there's very little that I don't have some control over. Maybe think of the movie. I'm trying to think of the, oh shoot, Hunger Games. I think it was Hunger Games. Wasn't that the one where the the going off phrase instead of Star Wars, let the force be with you. It's may the odds ever be in your favor. Did I get that right? Something, Something like, that. like that. Something like that. Well, because so, you don't know. This is show eight seventy eight. In show eight seventy seven, which I just recorded moments ago with my dad, uh, we talked about relationships and the power, let's say, of nurturing any and every relationship. Doesn't matter if it's the grocery bagger at uh, at the store or whether it's the CEO you're trying to sell to. The power of advocating for every relationship, treating everyone with utmost respect, care, love, because one, it's the right thing to do. And two, because it has such a long tail of possible benefit and reciprocity for you, uh, the power of that and what it is, it's, and, and so I got to that thing of we're talking about, or you are, we can control the odds. We can stack the odds in our favor with these things that we think we cannot control. Cause as you were talking about sales at the beginning, you realize, okay, here's my numbers. If I do these many sales, I can't control whether they say yes or no, but I can do a lot to influence that. And I can do a lot to influence the amount of sales I get at the end of the day by looking at the odds, looking at the stats, looking at the percentages and following that algorithm then. And I can pretty much assure myself at the end of the day, if I do the work that at the, the average is going to be that I do have a lot of control So I'm taking a different tangent here that I didn't intend to, Tom, because as we're looking at this and my intent initially was to say, how can we get these things that we feel like we can't control on the table? Be aware of them so that we can, as your dad said, respond better in health and have more peace, have more success as a result of that. Okay, that's I would say that still stands. But you really had me thinking along lines of what we're putting up in the air of is really what do we not have? If we're proactive, if we're wise, if we look at this, we really have an ability to control a dramatic amount. So I'm, I'm kind of looking back at my little list and going, huh, can I really not control or have some control over those by being aware of the influence and then helping the odds be forever in my favor? You are listening to The Ziegler Show in this episode on how we respond to things we are not in control of. Next, Tom shares a quote that is just, again, convicting. And I'll give it to you right after sharing some great products and services. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths, according to the EPA which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to dot ocom Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin.
2: Well, it's reminding me of a, of a quote. Um, and I don't know if dad said it or if he was quoting a psychologist. Well, I think we was- know that when in doubt on a quote, Zig Ziglar said it. Yeah, but but he said this, uh, and I think he was quoting a psychologist, and I can't remember their name. Mm. And the quote is is this: No one can make you feel inferior without your permission. Yeah. Now that is an overwhelming um, statement. No one can make you feel inferior. Yes. Without Without your permission. permission. I've heard or thought the same
0: thing with being offended. I can't be offended unless I allow myself to be. Yeah, that's good.
2: And But we all grow up in families and we have family members. Almost all of us have family members who can say one thing and immediately we're on the emotional roller coaster, right? Because, Right. (laughs) Because of history, because of past events, because of things, you know wounds that we might have or or whatever and so when we talk about influence or control i'm going to move from the sales example which is um you know both sides trying to come to an agreement where they can work together for something Mm -hmm. good but the bigger one that we face every day is the difficult person problem (laughs) you know it's like So the difficult person could be somebody in your own company. It could be a friend or a family member. It could be a prospect or a customer. Um, And and so now we have to think about, wait a second, I am going to come across difficult people in life. And so the question is, are they being difficult because of something I did or didn't do? Or are they being difficult because of the circumstances that they find themselves in or some issue that's a hundred percent their own issue. And what I've discovered is that in the vast majority of cases, difficult people become that way. Should we call them the, well, I don't want to pick on Karens, but that's the buzzword that's going around. Unfortunately,
0: so sorry to everyone. I know beautiful people named Karen. I'm so sorry, but Hey, we also go, we also go to the John and I know a lot of great Johns. So okay. yes, yeah, it's, exactly. it's
2: an avatar out there. It exists. Right. And and so we've got a, what I say is, is we we have a hundred percent control of our own response, our own mindset, our own belief. And why not choose in advance? How to handle the difficult people? Yeah, and yes. the first thing that I do when I come across a difficult person is I say, "Would if?" Let's just say they're going off the deep end. And I've talked about this. Would a secure person do that? And the answer is no. They they wouldn't. Yeah. And then the second, if I'm like, well, they seem pretty secure, but they sure are frustrated. And then I ask the next question: Is it because of a system that they're? You know, a circumstance, a pro, uh, an issue they have internally that makes them so frustrated, or not, or but or but but the or is or is it something that we've done intentionally or unintentionally that's adding to this? That I can now be a help in fixing.
0: Yeah.
2: Right, and if the answer is I can be a help in fixing, you know, why not? why not come to the to the middle and, and say hey man I see your frustration let's figure this out I can only imagine if it's not your responsibility or you're any cause of it or the group you're working with is any cause of it you can still say hey I'm, I can understand your frustration you know let me see how I can help what is it that's that's happened uh, but in both of those cases I am not allowing that toxicity toxicity from them to transfer to me because I've already decided, Hey, this is about the circumstance or this is about something that they've been through and I'm here to help.
0: Well, I want to pick on what you just said there as far as, that is a, that is a great goodness exercise again to write down, as you said that would a secure person do that? Now, the easiest thing for us to do is to think about somebody else who, you know, bothers, irritates us and to point that at them. Hey, would a secure secure person do that? Would a secure person act that way? Would they react that way? Would they speak that way? And we can real quick point the finger. But if we turn it back on ourselves and to think about our own behaviors and our own, because, again, when we're talking about control, what comes up is the things that we can't control are generally the things that we expect to irritate us, right? That's what makes the day a bad day uh, because something happened that I couldn't control and it made me have a bad day. It makes me have a bad day. It makes the workplace difficult. It makes home difficult. It makes, you know, whatever. And would a secure person react? If I turn that on myself and look at what's it, look at every daily frustration or consistent frustration or whatever say, gosh, what a per or what a secure person feel the way that I am feeling. And I, you know, I, I feel like we'd be remiss Tom to not point out that as we talk about this issue of control and now you brought up secure and I'm going to, you know, the converse of that is insecure that when we, we have a, a, a culture, more media influence than ever today, I believe, would you agree? Oh yeah. Okay. 100%. So, so if we do, we know that the media, from the dawn of time, if it bleeds, it leads. So if it is drama, uh, if it is negative, it leads. So that's what they are paid to do is to get attention so they know if it does. And I would say that today, we're it feels like we are at an all-time high. Of the media, what bleeds most? Feeding off of our insecurities. And if you look at the headlines today or any day It's almost like they have a what are people? What's the culture's primary insecurities? What can we do to pick on that one? What can we do to exacerbate that one? What can we do to stick a fire in that one? That's what draws people, and that's what leads. Point being, though, not to sit here and talk about the 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 negativity of the media, but just to realize how does that impact us? It's the expectation is that we are upset about the things that we can't control. That we are insecure about these things that we are reacting, not responding, as Zig said in the initial aspect. And I love that statement. Would I feel like that's a paramount piece then of this topic that we're talking about control? How would a secure person react to those things we can't control? And I would I would agree with you, Tom, that it seems like culturally and for most people, the things that that uh, I'm tempted to say, what is the number one thing we can't control that we can't control? So you, you said it before that we tend to think in personal development. The thing that the number one thing that we can not control is ourselves. But what is the number one thing out there environmentally, circumstantially that we cannot control? It's got to be other people. Is there anything further at the top? I mean, I if, if I think of my head, we didn't. Have, I'll tell you, Tom, we didn't have anybody in the responses. We had nobody say their health. Now, culturally, we have a lot of people that don't think that they're as control as our health as, as what we would say. They nobody cited that. Nobody cited money. I was surprised. Nobody cited, you know, opportunity. They didn't uh they didn't cite that. But people, man, that's got to be in my in my own life, that's got to be top of the list of the things that I, I have, especially if it's somebody new. You know, if it's if you got if you're dealing with customers, prospects, vendors, people that you don't have a long history with, that you're not his, you know, you, you're not influencing, that's gotta be top of the list. So what, what, what a better thing to realize, how would a secure person, if I was secure, how would I respond to the next person that I may run into, who, as you said, is, how did you frame them is, uh, uh, you know, j- just in a bad way, just an unkind person, yeah. person, whatever.
2: Yeah. So they're coming in and they're really upset. Yeah. Um, and they're and they're they're going off right. They're they're going off at a different level, so. and maybe taking it out on you, literally, not just yeah. yeah. So there's a great G.K. Chesterton quote uh, that I love, and he says, uh, "Do not remove a fence post before you know why it was there." Okay. So what he's talking about is there's boundaries. And our culture is on this mission to eliminate all the boundaries. (laughs) Well, True. Right. Have you heard the term fences make great neighbors? Hmm. Yeah. So we love boundaries. And what happens is, is when we don't understand what a boundary is, we allow people to have influence in our life where they really should have no influence. Mm -hmm. And... So I've really been studying this. This has probably been going on for like the last month. So last week I I uh, broke down and I shouldn't say broke down. I finally did the smart thing and I got uh, Dr. Henry Clouds. Uh, he has a membership. Um, pretty cool. We've had him on the show before and it's, it was like $90 for the whole year.
0: Which for context, if you don't know, he, he wrote the book boundaries, which is, An absolute classic, a top seller, all all
2: evergreen. Right. So now I've got hundreds of these little boundaries tips at my, (laughs) on my computer. So every morning for the last week, I've been doing 15 to 20 minutes of just understanding, Hey, you know, what are appropriate boundaries? And so remember that quote that I gave dad credit for, even though he was quoting a psychologist. Right. No one can make you feel inferior without your permission. What that really means is, is if you don't have boundaries of, of, you know, Hey, you know what you can, you can attack as much as you want in that area, but it's, I've got a wall there. You're, you're not, you don't have permission to come in people without boundaries, they get set off at anything. And, and usually it goes into one of two categories and it's really just kind of different sides of the same coin, which is the, the easily offended person. You mentioned that. And if you cross their boundary, they get angry and start crossing yours. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, um, I don't know what the best term is, the easily hurt person Mm -hmm. who immediately assumes that, you know, the, the question or the problem or the challenge is because of something they did wrong. And they're so eager to people please that they feel guilty for that person who they met 28 seconds ago who's upset about an order. And that person's being upset with them on the phone about the order, not getting there on time. And now they've taken personal ownership and responsibility right. for a situation they had nothing to do with. Right. And so one of the things that we can do to have influence over the things we can't control is to really get clear on the boundaries that are healthy Because ultimately, on a scale of 1 to 10, the frustration level of the person coming in, what we want to do as a human being is we want to help them. Gosh, yeah. Right? And so if I escalate or de-escalate at the same rate that they do, the help isn't isn't going to happen. It's not going to be useful.
0: Goodness, I I don't know whether to go down there or if that's another show just talking about boundaries, but I guess when we're talking about control, that's what we're talking about. So when are we out of control of things that in essence, cross our, I guess, cross our boundaries. Like I, I, I literally don't quite know. I, I'm, I'm seldom at a loss for words here, but that one's a, I mean, We, I, I, I just don't know if, it, if it's appropriate to go into that topic. Cause maybe it is because it, when we're looking at control and we feel like we are in a response, a reactive culture right now that apparently feels less in control, which is why they're reacting so negatively. And you're right, we have a culture that is trying so desperately it feels like to abolish any boundaries. And I know even just saying that's a little volatile, especially if I start putting some categories to those things that we're trying to abolish the boundaries of. But we do that and if you cite a boundary, you are small-minded, narrow-minded, uh, you know, uh, in, in a lot of negative a lot of negative words. And yet, my, you know, we've got, and I'll just name some categories without giving any judgment, you know, politics and gender and race and morals and ethics and, uh, you know, the, the, the latest music winning awards that is very boundary crossing. And I, I honestly saw, I don't, I don't watch the news, don't have regular TV. I haven't seen a screen in a week. I've been on vacation, but I was in a place last night and the news was on and it was about a a music video from somebody I didn't even know about, some music artist in the country-ish realm and this video that's, you know, just uh, getting everybody's, getting everybody ruffled and, and whatnot. And it is crossing boundaries. It's abolishing boundaries. And yet you're right over here. We're saying we're finding people like Henry Classic, man, we find safety and health in boundaries. And I was a show recently, Tom, and I cited that study done long ago. And my quick paraphrase is the one where they put a bunch of kids, you know, with their teachers at a playground in the middle of a vast field with no fences. You talked about fences, no fences, no boundaries. And they just watched them and watched as the kids all stayed close to the playground, stayed close to the teachers. Then, you know, day two or or whatever it was, they put a fence pretty, pretty far out, but they put a fence around that. And what happened? Everybody went to the edges. Everybody explored further than that. I literally don't like it. I don't feel good about that analogy, Tom, because I want to say I'm the, I'm the rebel. I want space. I want freedom. I want, I don't want any fences. And yet this is just, they didn't take kids by gender, by personality style. They just put a smattering of kids out there and they all did the same thing. And to look at that and go, man, what is it about our psychology? Right, wrong, whatever you want to call it. Just, but it just is. Here's a bunch of kids, no boundaries. They stay close to home. Insecurity. You put some boundaries out. There's some healthy boundaries, and there's freedom in that. So if we're saying that here in our life, and as you're getting from Henry Cloud, that we feel control, let's say, or we feel secure with some boundaries, and let's say healthy boundaries, uh, which is what he's about— and yet we're in a culture that is, if you cite a boundary, especially a personal boundary, and especially if you do one, you know, and, and talk about a societal boundary that you think is of health, there's literally just no place for it right now. There's hardly a place for it. And what a dichotomy
2: is that? So the reality is, is that choices have consequences. And our culture wants to divorce choice from consequence. Absolutely. That's what the goal is. So dad said, if you take a train off the tracks, you've got all this amazing power and capacity and it goes nowhere, Mm -hmm. right? You take, you know, Elon Musk is spending billions of dollars on space and rockets. You take the navigation system out of a rocket and what do you got? You you got fireworks. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like, (laughs) that's all you got really. And so we need a navigation system. We need a track. We need we need boundaries to say, hey, if I go here, it's safe. If I go there, it's dangerous. Yeah. And I'll I'll give you, you know, you brought up the hot topic of culture and all the things that are going on right mm-hmm. now. And part of of winning, and I won't say winning the conversation is is the, the right word, let's just say influencing the conversation. Right. Is the right word? We're we use the wrong words in the discussion, and I'll give you. I'll just give you an example, and 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 this drives pe- this. When I use this, it, it drives people nuts. I'll ask people, well, um, well, hey, do the words matter? Do the words you use matter? Well, everybody it doesn't matter whether you're progressive or ultra conservative or somewhere in between. Yeah, words matter. You know, it's like it's a battle for the words. Well, what about actions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actions matter. I mean, that's really all I can judge, right? I can't, I, I, I don't know what's going on in your thought life, but I can I can judge your words and I can judge your actions. Okay, so now we know we all agree that words and actions matter. So are you against childhood poverty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, who's not? We all are, we're all against childhood poverty. How about this, are you against uh, child abuse? Mm -hmm. Well then, great, fantastic. Uh, So I guess you're against the number one cause of childhood poverty and child abuse. Oh, what's that? Oh, well, I mean, do do you believe the facts and science? Is that what we should go on or should we go on opinion? No, let's go on facts and science. Okay, great. Well, facts and science tell us that the number one cause of child abuse and in childhood poverty is single parent households.
0: Hmm.
2: Well, wait a second. We can't we can't be against single parent households. Well, I'm general I'm doing the generalization here, but what is the number one cause of single parent households? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's sex with people who aren't married. <laughs> and so the way I would reframe the word in the cultural discussion is, you know, because we want the best outcome for our kids, if you're promoting sex outside of marriage, why are you supporting childhood poverty and child abuse? Cause it's the number one cause. Oh, you want to get people excited and upset. That'll get them going. I, you I
0: I'm sure you just did some there, Tom. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. But, and so the reason I, um, the reason I bring this up is I was watching a TV show a couple of years ago and it just really hurt my heart because there was a young Christian woman and I put the word Christian because that's how she self-defined herself. Right. Uh, seemed like she had everything going on very smart and, uh, she was on one of those, um, dating shows and, and one of the other final contestants basically said, Hey, we can't continue the relationship because I know you slept with a couple other people on the show. And she said, well, Hey, that's my own, That's none of your business. That's my choice. And blah, 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 right? And so the media supported her and called this other person, you know, kind of a, a fanatic. But here's what my heart thought. There's going to be some 16 or 17-year-old kids who are going to justify mm-hmm. doing something. And even though that, that lady didn't get pregnant, they're going to get pregnant.
0: And that's, yeah, it, well, there you get down to the, you just mentioned, you know, is it going you know, to value science and uh, the data or opinion? And that is, I'm grateful that that question right there is coming to light more and more. I don't know if it'll actually make a difference.
2: And so here's the thing. We're going back to the, we're circling back to the subject at hand is all choices that we make have consequences mm-hmm. and we need to own those consequences
0: when you do Well, We're back to where, yeah, it is round circle back to your father's Zig Ziglar, in the clip we played talking about, are you going to positively respond or negatively react? That's a choice. And can we do that proactively? Cause I cannot foresee the person if we're going to pick on, people as one of the primary purveyors of things that we can't control. I can't even foresee the person that I may meet tomorrow at the airport, at the, well, for me, the beach, at the grocery store, in my work, a vendor, whatever. I can't, I, I have no ability to control whether the, the text, the email, the phone call or the whatever, the, the face-to-face that I may meet from that person who may be uh, very, very difficult but I can make a choice now as to the kind of... Per- Here, I love this perspective uh, that somebody... And I can't remember who it was. It was somebody recently who said, I, "I kind of in defining themselves, I'm the type of person who responds this way. So who's that going to be? I, I want to be... Who, take an avatar. Take a movie character if you need to be and say, I want to be like that. I want to be the type of person who responds this way to this type of person or to any, let's just say any unreasonable person or anyone who coming back to your boundaries, who is going to cross what to me is a boundary. And that's going to happen. So it's going to happen. How am I, what kind of person am I going to be? And well, back to you, am I a secure person would, a secure person would react this way. I want to be the kind of person who reacts in peace and security and, and responds when my boundary is crossed as it is going to be. And I actually like that even better than the word control. It has so much baggage. We can attribute so many different things to that. But when we say boundaries do, you know, to your question or, you know, asking a question, you know, is there anybody we would ask if we said that out loud? Is there anyone out there who has zero boundaries?
2: They don't I, live long. They don't live long. I,
0: but I, who, who would say, yes, I have no boundaries. Really? Can I please have your wallet? Uh, <laughs> yeah. and we all do. We, as much as we want to claim that you know that nobody should put any boundaries on us, everybody has a line somewhere, uh, and we have those boundaries. Man, it's, it's thank you, Tom. It's a great, you. You brought me to multiple things. It's going to be a fun outro because as I. St- st- took off with, uh, as I always do, an intent in mind. I even told you what my intent is, and you still took us a better direction. Thanks for that. Um, I didn't read any of the responses, and folks, people did write down responses, workplace things that they couldn't, you know, market instability, people, regulation changes. Um, Somebody said, wearing the stupid, ineffective mask. Somebody doesn't like the mask at all. Administrative mandates, uh, bullying, nepotism, uh, good uh, being in a you know a rough and tumble real estate market, not having patience when you rely on other people, property managers, uh, yada yada. With so many people, primarily, uh, cite people and things they can't control. But if I like better, this instead of saying that. Uh, How are you going to respond to the things you can't control to say your boundaries, we all have boundaries. They are going to be crossed. How are we going to respond to them? And I think we can look at the areas of our life. You could probably go through the Ziegler wheel of life as a good avatar and say in each of these seven spokes, do you have any boundaries? What are they? When they are violated, what are you, what type of person do you want to be? I am the type of person who's going to respond This way when this happens or when I can't even foresee what's going to happen when my boundaries are crossed. I love that exercise, Tom, though in my own audit here, I'm also going to be thinking about the very reality of, of how much control I really do have, how much influence at least I do have to stack the odds in my favor and feel less in control. And I do want to take responsibility for that. I mean, I want to, and I want to be the type of person who wants to, uh, as well. That's powerful. Thank you, brother. You had some, you brought the heat today.
2: Good stuff. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it hits home. And, you know, I, I think ultimately it ends up with this from a, from a spiritual perspective. Uh, I don't, I don't know if God has a lot of Preference one way or another of what we do, as long as it's moral and ethical. But boy, a ton of, of, of care and love and concern around how we do it. Yeah. Yep. And so if you work in a different difficult situation uh, and if you work with people, guess what? That's you. That's true. It's how you, it's how you respond to the things you can't control yeah. that is the differentiator. Yeah. And at the end of it, you got to ask yourself the question, Hey, if everybody did what I did, would the world be a better place? And so when we own our choices and remember uh, the way we lead is through influence and example. Yeah. So the, the better example we set, the more influence that we have. And so that's why that tough question is, are you promoting something that ultimately uh, somebody else is going to copy and they're going to pay the price that maybe you didn't have to personally pay? Wow. And that's a, that's a big responsibility. And so the more influence that you have and what's interesting to me is that, uh, and now I'm picking on Hollywood because they're easy to pick on, but, or or the influencers and Hollywood types will say, well, Hey, you know, I just live my life. I don't have any influence over what other people say or do. And then they'll hold up something on TikTok or Instagram and they'll get paid a hundred (laughs) thousand dollars because they just influenced a lot of people to go do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally true.
2: And so we've the, the choices that we make and what we, what we, what we put out there have huge, huge implications. And once we own the consequences, good or bad, of the choice that we make and then determine to become the person that God created us to become, then, wow, we can set up boundaries. We can respond in a way that's kind and loving. And as Shanti Fieldhelm would say, just lead with kindness and the rest of it will take care of itself. We'll call that the mic drop. Thanks.
0: Well, there you go, friends. Again, I, I'm just enamored with that question of are we responding, not reacting? And are we responding like a secure person would? It's just so convicting to me. And I hope this episode and that issue helps add dramatic peace and confidence to your life. Coming up in episode 879, I've got an amazing guest. I just haven't decided which of the three I've got in line I'm going to bring next in my lineup so you're going to be surprised and regardless of which one i bring you you will be inspired and equipped till then thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together